Ica Valley over there. Oh, where? <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Loose Lips. Oh, our lo- lips are loose tonight. Yes, they are. And we got a couple. We got what? Two, four, six, eight lips today. <gasps> well, <laughs> maybe even more, but that's, yeah. a, that's another show. oh tim we're gonna dive right into our sponsor every show our sponsor uber lube (gasps) i love uber lube you know what i hate when people go like this they go oh uber lube the hands behind the product like oh uber lube but it's transparent like all i can see is your shoulder in the bottle oh i thought you meant me your hand (laughs) i thought you meant me i'm so transparent (laughs) Uber Lube. Oh, what can Uber Lube do? Well, it is good for, you know, those late night functions in your bedroom. Oh. <laughs> I know. I would bring my mom on to tell you about it, but she's upstairs. With her Uber Lube. With her Uber Lube. <laughs> so everybody knows it comes in bottles. They're gorgeous. And travel size. So when you're on the road, you can still lube up. But you can also, on, honestly, you can use this on your hair. It gives it a nice sheen. Nobody, we're gonna nobody have, realizes that. Yeah, we're so. going to have to ask our guests if they used it because they are yes. owners of the product, too. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, it comes in black, silver, gold, red. Really nice colors for the holidays. Yeah. Red and gold. Mm-hmm. And they make perfect stocking stuffers. <laughs> You for can the kids and to stuff other stockings <laughs> later. <laughs> Uber lube. Uber lube made in the USA. So Tim, you know, every week, once in a while, we have some questions and answers. Oh, I love our questions. Some people ask for advice. Yes. But if anybody needs any help in that department, if they're looking for some advice, they could hit us up. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash loose lips, the podcast, shoot us a DM, right? Oh, listen to us. We're very internet savvy. Now. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. they can even send us uh, an email to Icavelli events at hotmail.com. But also don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at loose lips, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So, so, I mean, do you want to, are you ready to jump hell in? Hell, yes. This is yes. Well, our guest, uh, she does it all, firstly. Comedian, magician, published writer, producer. She's toured all over the country, Europe and Asia as well. Uh, she's founder and part owner of the lounge in, in uh, the lounge at the end of the universe in Boise, Idaho, where we just took Fifty Shades of Gay for three nights in July. Oh, I love yes. it. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, Tim, but she was also a resident magician at right? Caesars Palace Casino in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Celine Dion, who? <laughs> <laughs> that was on uh, the West Coast. And of course, she's been on the East Coast, too, at Lincoln Center's Avery Fisher Hall. Mm-hmm. And there is so much we are going to chat about tonight. But we can't forget the most important part is she's an amazing mom. Yes. So, Please welcome Jen Adams. Yeah, hey guys, we love Jen Adams. Oh well, I love you guys. I miss you so much, and uh, I wish you. you would just move here and just uh, be Idahoans with me. We're actually hiding in the little storage closet with Coral, yes. the other owner. Where's she at? Oh, where'd she go, Coral? Uh-oh. We can't see you. Trouble with Maybe her. she forgot to turn the lights on. Oh, she, she's <laughs> muted too. All right. Well, maybe she's gonna be back. Well, hopefully she'll pop in on us in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll just start. So, Jen, you are in Boise, Idaho. Yes, I am. Uh, Yeah. uh, After uh, 15 years now, which it's Uh still a surprise to me. Yeah. So, where were you born and raised before? So, so this is uh, something I don't. I I didn't like. Hi, Coral. There she is. Uh, Something that I don't advertise a lot because it's always easy to just say, "Well, I'm a born and raised New Yorker." Um, my parents left New York city and moved down to Florida because my dad was getting a lot of cruise ship work at the time. And he was mm-hmm. leaving out of ports in Florida. And so, um, and he was a professional magician. So, um, so they moved down there with my older sister who was a baby and my mom was pregnant. So I was actually born in uh coconut grove, Florida. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
And then when I was two months old, my mom said, screw this. I want to go back to New York. So I've been, I was back in New York city at two months old. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a native New Yorker born, yeah. born raised on the Lower East side or, or, uh, as the real estate agents at the time said the East village so that they could make yes. it you know, desirable yes. for people to want to move in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I, and, was one uh, of those, I was one of those real estate people saying that at that time. Nice. That's good. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it was, it was, you know, during, um, I mean, the, my earliest memories are from when New York was absolutely bankrupt. Uh, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact, and there was just, you know, the Bowery was a, a two blocks from my mm-hmm. apartment. Yeah. So, you know, there were the bums out on the street and uh, CPGBs right there. So oh, uh, it was oh. it was both a amazing time and kind yeah. of a, a, a very like profane time to be there. Right. Uh, uh, I'm grateful that I'm from there. But uh, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely left its scars as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've definitely got that New York. New yeah. York. The mentality, you're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're in, it. You're in <laughs> it. So then did you start performing? Because you started at an early age. Did you start performing in New York or when did you? Yeah, leave? so so I, um, you know, my, <laughs> I think my dad was always looking to find things to put in the show. And I, I'm sure uh, the already readily available children were a lot easier than the animals. Yes. So, right. um, so yeah, so uh, we just started popping out of stuff in his show. Uh, he had a, he had a family show, so um, we did like the Brooklyn Academy of Music once a year, and they would bus inner city kids in from all of the boroughs, and we'd do a week there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then you know I, I loved it, so like I was always like, oh, you're going to the Poconos for the weekend? I want to go. So wow. you know I would just kind of tag along, and he just found ways to kind of fit me into the show. And um, then you and, uh, you kind of you learned the process and the tricks that literally the tricks of the trade. Yeah. <laughs> so I I learned how to be a really great magic assistant early, mm-hmm. and I learned like my first stuff uh, uh, when I started working with him professionally was actually like backstage tech and lighting and and that kind of and setting props and things like that. And uh, it was a, a a real true mentorship in that sense. Like if you you start working with a performance magician, you usually learn all the things surrounding it before you actually start doing right. magic in the right. show. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so I learned a lot of stagecraft. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about, I think when, specifically when it comes to, um, you know, your magic partner, what they call the assistant is, uh, learning how to be on stage, but become invisible at moments and uh-huh. then take focus right. when you need to. And then, you know, kind of w- without right. ever leaving. Um, yeah. and so, so I learned how to do that, like just kind of disappear right in plain sight when I needed to. Wow. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I just, I loved it. So, um, we, I mean, we did all kinds of crazy gigs. My, my dad was one of these guys that, um, you know, really came like at the tail end of vaudeville. He always felt like he was born oh, way wow. too late. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and so, and he was from Peoria, which was a huge vaudeville oh, stop over, right? Yeah. So he was born in 37 and uh-huh. he was already performing when he was like 12 years old. So there was like the sort of tail end of the vaudeville circuit yes. coming through. And, and so he had this mentality of like, you don't say no to a gig. It doesn't matter what it is. So we would be at like Westbury Music Fair or the Paper Mill Playhouse one weekend. And then like two days later, we'd be on the Upper East Side in someone's apartment doing a birthday party show. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, his attitude was like, this stuff in between is your bread and butter money. Like the big gigs are nice, but this is the stuff that pays your bills every day. Um, that and, and he was always like, he was like, even if you're not working, you tell people you're working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had some sound advice. Yes, he did. My my favorite thing he ever said, I'll never forget it. One day he just looked at me backstage and he goes, You know, show business is all about taking a little piece of shit and making it dance. And he went like yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it is. Voila. <laughs> but so so when you step because that would have been quite a transition to step out from being the partially invisible assistant to the, the magician out in front. Yeah. So, so he gave me little guest spots in the show. So I'd put, I'd work up like a little three to five minute piece. Oh. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, he would introduce me and set me up and then I would come out and work. Now I never spoke the entire time I worked with him uh-huh. uh, because I was just really shy about it, I guess at that point. Um, and I had never spoken. I mean, I, I worked with him for five years and I, I never, I, I said two words, sorry. Yeah. Three words on stage every night, which were change. It's me. And that was like at the end of the show for our big, our big closer, which was a Houdini illusion. Uh, um, 
and, uh, and and that was it. So so coming out on stage and doing magic it was already frightful enough for me, and uh, and so I, I didn't speak. And and it wasn't until he passed away. He passed away when I was nineteen. Oh, um, wow. And then yeah, and we had we had gigs still planned, and and that was not only our family business and the way that we made money for not just uh -huh. ourselves, but also to you know support my mom and the other kids that still lived at home. Um, but uh, I I didn't know what else. Like I don't know how to do anything else. I dropped out of high school to go do that. So. Um, so yeah, so so I I just sort of took the show over, and he had a couple of other apprentices, and we just kind of met, made the show work and and fulfilled the gigs that we had, and kind of just tried to keep going. So wow. it was it was an interesting time. I was uh, like ah, the whole time. Yeah. Like, like, so so you would know? you say that's how you got into your solo path? you because you have so many different yes. genres. You've tackled it all. You really have. Yeah. Um, so and, and just real quick, Coral. I'm sorry, we're not avoiding you. Yeah. <laughs> we will. You're next. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Continue with the solo. With your solo. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, um, my dad's show was very theatrical. Uh, I mean, besides being a magician, he was in like 60 on and off Broadway shows. Uh, he wow. was one of the the few people that made it to like the final um, uh, callbacks for uh, the role in Marathon Man. He hated Dustin wow. Hoffman ever since because wow. he came down to like Dustin Hoffman and him and like one other guy. Uh, right. So so he had a couple of almost that he'd sort of never got over. Um, yeah. But uh, but he but he did a lot of Broadway. We played Broadway. We played the um, uh, Promenade Theater on Broadway. Uh -huh. uh, I believe Ricky Jay years later did his Ricky Jay and his 50 assistants at and then Lincoln Center. I was 17 when we did that gig. So it was wow. with my dad. Um, and uh, it was amazing. We had a 60 piece orchestra behind us playing our music for the magic show, which is crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Um, but when he passed away, uh, you know, he had a lot of characters in his show. He would start out as Merlin as like an old wizard. Cool, yeah. And then he would do these quick changes into these different characters that would progressively get younger. And then the last one was he would take all of it off and like the you know last 20 minutes of the show would be him. Um, mm -hmm. And, and he had a, a, a tramp clown character that was uh, loosely based off of Emmett Kelly, who was a very famous ring yeah. clown. Um, kind of the, 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 uh, hobo. the hobo. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, and uh, and then he had a, a very sort of stuffy uh, Englishman who wore a monocle uh, named Don oh, Jean, yeah. and he had a big handlebar mustache. And, uh, and it was all very, I mean, we, we had a guy in a gorilla suit in the show. I mean, it was like, it was pretty crazy. But um, I, and I but I love how he combined the magic with the theater. That, yes, that you know he's very theatrical. Yeah, and and I and I think a lot of my magic was really influenced by the fact that there was always a storyline behind it, mm -hmm. and it was character driven. Um, but but when he died, uh, it was easy for me to just sort of put the costumes on and like do the and and crazy. Uh, I actually like put the Merlin stuff on and did like the old man wizard thing. Uh -huh. Like I was. Uh, and and that wound up morphing into I was like, well, you know, what would be really cool is if we did a quick change out of that, and then it was a, a female. So right. so um so and I got I got some attention for that, which was good from like the magic world and right. lots of magic right. conventions and things. So so I would go and you know start the show as this sort of old wizard guy, and then uh, I had a quick change uh, piece where I would just throw a curtain up, and then it would be me in in a, a pinstripe suit suit with like all of my hair and my derby hat. Uh, which people were like, "Holy shit, it's a girl!" So I mean, yeah. just that alone. So you were you were drag before it even started. Right. Well, it's funny <laughs> yeah. because when I met drag kings, I was like, I kind of was doing that without realizing. Yeah. I was doing that. <laughs> so uh, so that was kind of that was kind of interesting. So but but I mean, I I had to talk. So doing it in costume was interesting. But I I mean, I was uh, at that point still a kid. I had no idea who I was or what I wanted to talk about. And whenever I had to just be me on stage, I would have a panic attack right. about talking. Oh yeah. Absolute panic attack. I, I didn't like it at all. Um, and during well, that you time, have to remember too, because when you were on stage with your dad, you were always the, the silent, you were mm -hmm. right. So mm -hmm. I kind of probably set in a little bit. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's yeah. what you associated it with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. So, um, so I got an opportunity to move to Las Vegas when I was 21 and nice. I jumped at that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I started out, I, it's funny cause I've sort of like always backdoored my way into things like, like one of my Oddly favorite enough, things. So have I. <laughs> <laughs> Uber lube. Uber lube. Right. So perfect, perfect time for the product. Insert place. Uber lube here. Yeah. So, right. so I, um, Plus coral. 
So I sort of, I've sort of backdoored my way into uh, my own kind of opening gig at Caesars uh, because at the time they had opened this, it was like an $80 million facility that was sort of yeah. modeled after the Magic Castle, but on a grand scale. It's called the Caesars Magical Empire. And mm -hmm. uh, it was past the sports book, if anybody remembers that, yeah. that era. Yeah. So, you, so you'd go and, and there was like this weird elevator thing. Uh, and it was a, a total cool illusion, but you'd get in and it would like take you down underground into these catacombs. And really it was just this thing going up and, you know, giving yeah. And then you'd come out and there'd be all these people in togas and this huge like like fire pit in the middle of this underground. It was it was gorgeous, absolutely beautiful place. And so I went there with a group of other magicians and we had worked together uh, on and off just throughout the years. And um, and so uh, I started out in somebody else's show and backstage teching. Uh, and that's where I met another female magician who was also the daughter of a famous magician. Ah, and okay. I was like, there's nobody else in the world that is going to understand me. Like you understand me. Right. right? Exactly. So, so we like became thick as these, her name's Luna Shimada. Uh, and she's the, the daughter of a famous magician named Shimada. Who's a Japanese magician who actually just passed away. I think three months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so she kind of, uh, she was about 10 years older than me. So she just kind of took me under her wing and she went around and introduced me to all of the magicians and, and, you know, gave me enough credibility with what I was doing. Yeah. That people were like, Oh, we should pay attention to her. So she really kind of helped me break out on my own. So when Caesars was looking for like regular opening acts for the big stage act, and also they had a, a parlor there, a parlor of prestidigitation, which is like a parlor magic is like, it's like stand up magic, but for mm -hmm. a seating of like 50. So, so you can right. still do smaller things because people are kind of up on you and it was raked seating. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, uh, and so, so I got to be a resident there for a couple of years, just oh, cool. doing all of the openings for the the headliners of, of those shows. And it was amazing experience. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it made me quit magic actually. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, you work six nights a week up to seven shows a night wow. and eventually you're like, I hate this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That would be a lot. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Wait, when, be careful what you ask for, right? Because it's like, well, I just wish I could be a performer full time. Well, right. great. Now, now it's all the time. You're like, oh god. Yeah, yeah right. So, um, but but it was during that time that I I was doing kind of a lot of soul searching because you know I got into magic because of my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, he and I were very close. We had a close relationship, uh, and also I knew I wanted to be a performer, and magic was kind of my gateway into that. But it was during that time where I was like, is this really what I want to do? And I started really looking at the material that I had done uh, and, and my original stuff. And I was like, you know, everything that I do is based on comedy. And then I sort of had this revelation and I realized that I had been watching stand-up since I was like five. I never missed a stand-up special. My favorite comedian from when I was six, and I'm sure some people will be judgy towards my parents, was George Carlin. They let me watch whatever. Oh I my God. And so... So I just, I went, oh, I think maybe I'm actually a comedian, you know? And so I just like wrote material and went to an open mic, which an, a comedy open mic in Vegas is like the most depressing scene you have. I've done it. Ever. I've done it. Did they, I think there was a thing. I don't know if you, if it was there when you were there called Vegas on the mic. I don't no, know no, I, because I left there in uh, I left there in ninety like I left there just before two thousand. I went to Big Al's comedy at uh, Orleans. I don't know if it was Orleans. It was one of them, and oh my god, I'm like, this is I'm going back to New York. Yeah, it was it was exactly what we said. It was very depressing. It's well, I mean, and and my my very first open mic because I looked up something local because I was a little nervous because I was already kind of known in the industry for being good at something, and I was like, I think I'm not that good at this thing, so let me find like a place to go. So my my first open mic was at a place called the Las Vegas Lounge, which okay. was this bar underneath an escort service. <laughs> so so my first stand up was for a bunch of hookers and their johns. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and I, and I did really well and which gave me a horror, thank God. Cause it gave me this great false sense of like, Oh, I could do this because then like the next three or four months that I was still in Vegas was horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we play these places and people are at the bar, like playing video poker. Yeah. Okay. And like, if you get them to look up and acknowledge you, you're killing. Like yeah. that's, that's all you, <laughs> right. you ever expect. Just that. Yeah. 
So oh, I remember. I, so uh, then I just moved to Austin because I I thought okay I could go there and and suck at this and nobody's going to know. I knew one person <laughs> in Austin. I was like, this is good. I could go there and be bad and just sort of figure this shit out. And I did. I sucked there for like two years before it sort of like turned around. So. Oh, you've hit it all. You've hit East, West, Midwest. You you were all over. Yeah. 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 So I, I stayed in the country with my dad when I moved to Vegas. Then I wound up getting, I went, I was in Japan for a little while. Uh, we went to France and Monte Carlo. Um, and then, yeah. you know, later, you know, yeah. So I, I, I've had some pretty cool opportunities just to travel. And I mean, it's really hard, like being the kid of a magician who's performed for two presidents. I, I don't even know where the picture is. I wish I could show it to you. I have a, it's my favorite picture of my dad. He's like 22 years old. I'll, I'll, I'll try to find it and send it to you, but, but he's standing in the white house and he's standing next to Harry Truman. Wow. But he has his arm around Audrey Hepburn and he could give a <laughs> shit at the president's right there. He's like, Hey, and he has this great smirk on his face. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, how, how do I top that? He performed for, for him. He performed for Robert Kennedy at the Kennedy Center, uh, you know, and, and had performed in 30 countries around the world. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to, I don't know. You know, it's oh, just- Jen, you could perform for the Kardashians one oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on. Yeah, I suppose I could. If, if, if And then I guess if I could get them to look up from their cell phones. <laughs> going, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Looking up from their porn tape. Flashbacks from my Vegas open mic. Yes, right. exactly. Yep. So then how did you get to Boise? Oh God. Well, that's a, I mean, I'm going to try to cliff note this cause I'm sure, you know, people are going to check the hell out here. Uh, so no. it was, I, I, so many things in my life have happened by accident. So I had, uh, I had moved to Austin. Then I moved to San Diego, which is uh, where I became a comedy store comic. And then I was working at the, you know, comedy store in Hollywood and the one down in, mostly in La Jolla. Cause the, it was the kinder, gentler club. The one uh-huh. in California was a little, uh, uh, I just had like CD vibes. So, um, and, and I just, I got kind of sick of LA and that whole, and I just, I'm going to go back to New York. I want to be back in New York where, you know, it doesn't matter how you look. You just have to have talent. I just want that. Can I just have right. that? So, so, I, so I moved back to New York and then I booked a show uh, with Viacom VH1 and it was like dancing with the stars, but with magic. So they, you know, basically they hired seven magic coaches. I was their one female magic coach. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to assign us, you know, like, I don't know, C and D list celebrities that we would like show magic to. And, uh, and then they would compete against each other. So, um, so I got all ready and I flew back to Los Angeles. But, um, but when we were going to fly back, I was dating a guy who was from Boise and he was kind of an up and coming comedian and I said, well, I don't want to keep this apartment. It's expensive. We're not going to be here. So why don't we just like pack our stuff and drive it to Boise? Because I'm probably going to be filming for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like, uh, you, you know, you say your, his parents had a big uh, acre with some different guest areas and stuff. So so I can kind of fly back and forth or we'll figure that out. But uh, that way we're not spending, you know, $2,500 a month on an, an apartment right. in New York. That nobody's mm-hmm. in. Um, and then after I'm done filming, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll go back to New York. Maybe we won't. Um, and so dropped him off in uh, Boise, flew to L.A. Uh, and uh, and we met up for the show. I was very excited about it. Um, we had some really, really awesome people on it. Um, we had. Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. The main guy from Queer as Folk. Carson. Uh, Carson. Carson. No. Um, oh, God. I can't remember. His name. He, the little, I, little brunette guy whose mo- mom was played by the. Oh, God. Anyway. I don't. I'll blurt it out like I have Tourette's later. Um, (laughs) But 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 so they and like you know, Kid Reed from Kid and Play was one of the people in it. Ant, the comedian Ant, he was in it. I remember him. Um, And uh, and then they and then the celebrity they gave me was C. Thomas Howell, and I was like over (laughs) the fucking moon Um, because I was like, oh god, Pony Boy from the Outsiders. Yes. So. So we start filming and uh, and they put us up ne- right next to the Magic Castle. We were filming at the Magic Castle in, in Hollywood. And then the Magic Castle Hotel was right next door. And it was like one of those Melrose Place places where you walk into a courtyard and all the rooms Love are that. kind of around it. So three days into filming, I went to bed at like eight o'clock at night because makeup call was five in the morning. And I was like, oh, God. So I'm going to go to sleep. So somewhere around four o'clock in the morning, I woke up with someone on top of me with their hand on my mouth uh like and i started screaming and they were just yelling you know shut the f up 
Uh, and uh, this person had uh, tried to break into the magic castle and then hop the wall. And my room was right outside. It was like oh. a hotel suite. So it had a kitchen and like, you know, a couple different rooms in it. And he uh, uh, later I looked at the police photos. He'd put a, like a, a two by four up to the um, kitchen window, pried it open and, and crawled inside and then saw an opportunity. So uh, luckily oh, I got man. away. So nothing happened to me. But um the show essentially like fired me for almost getting raped. Um, oh my but they, God. But they did it under the guise of like, oh, you know, because at the end of it, so they moved me to a different hotel. And I said, look, I'm shaken up, but I'm good to work. Like, let's just work. I'm fine. Like nothing actually happened. I, you know, if you want to get me a onset psychiatrist, whatever, fine. Uh, but instead they were like, you know what? This is just a TV show. We want you to go away and get better, blah, blah, blah. But we're going to pay you. And then they just sort of like refused to let me keep working. Um, yeah. And they sent me away. So, and I had a couple things in New York that I was doing. And I, I swear that gave me worse PTSD than the actual incident. Wow. Just like, wow. you know, because I feel like I was being punished. Um, right. There's nothing I could do uh... about it. So, so I, so I went back to, to Boise and then I flew to New York for another thing that I had. And I, and I was just on the street and I had like a massive panic attack, like just like where I couldn't breathe and like I couldn't see anything. And uh, and and I was like, well, God, what was that? And so then I went back to Boise. Then I had to fly back to New York for something else. And then it happened again. And I was like, OK, this is only happening when I'm like apparently overstimulated or something. So York. I so I just stayed here because I felt safe mm -hmm. and, it, and I wasn't having these crazy panic attacks. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, that's the that's the fun story of how I moved to oh, Boise. Oh no, I mean, you know, it's so funny wow. because we know you, but we didn't get to know you while we were there. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so I love that this is, you know, that's, you're, you're you had quite a journey. Quite a yeah. journey. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the long run, I it, when I when I finally realized like, okay, I'm staying here for a while. Um what I noticed first about Boise was that uh, there wasn't a lot of everything in the arts, but what was here was very high quality. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really exciting. And that there were needs everywhere around the city. So I just started producing shows anywhere I could. Mm -hmm. And it was so easy to do that. Yeah. I was like, this is the freedom I've been looking for. Right. Uh, I started, I started the cherry bombs burlesque with another uh, gal here named B Williams, who uh, went by lady bomb deluxe, uh, big six foot, gorgeous, uh, uh, plus size black woman. Like, and so we just started this troupe and actually a lot of the scene here, uh, a lot of those girls came out of our, our troupe. Um, and, uh, and you know, that was a blast, uh, cause yeah. I had worked at the velvet hammer in LA, uh, as their resident, like burlesque magician, which by the way, you should probably look up the video. You should, uh, uh, put into YouTube Trixie Von Haza. Uh, there's a trick in there with a balloon that I did at the El Rey theater, uh, when I was with the velvet hammer, it's, it's worth a watch. Okay. Uh, I got it. You'll have questions afterwards. <laughs> we'll do a part two. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I I just uh, you know, it was it was like I could just experiment and do anything I wanted here, and there were a lot of people that were willing to try whatever the hell weird thing I wanted to do, and then there were venues that were willing to book it. So I was like, you know what? Why would I go anywhere when I could just stay here and just really kind of explore stuff? So that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and th and then I got knocked up. So I have a wonderful child now. Yes. Uh, whom I love. Uh, yeah, who has recently come out uh, as trans, so uh, we're, we are now he him. Okay, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and celebrating that, and we just had Boise Pride, which happens in September, yeah. and so so that that just happened last weekend, uh, which was kind of cool. So um, you know uh, that that was a journey I never thought I was going to take, uh, but uh, I'm I'm very glad that I did. Um, it's it's made me a better human. Yeah. For sure. Oh, amazing. Amazing, yep. amazing mom, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, my kids done open mic. Uh, we actually, uh, they're doing a gig with me um, for the Hyde Park Street Festival this coming Sunday. We're we're doing some magic together, which is super fun. Oh, fun. I get to be like, this is my third generation oh, magician. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, That's just, so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. <laughs> It's pretty so, neat. I, I can understand the, the pride I think my dad felt when he was like, oh, this is cool, like you, that you're yeah. interested in this. So now what is your son's name? Uh, Puck. Puck. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a nickname for right now. Cause last name is Pakutka. Uh, okay. so we, so we picked Puck just till we kind of navigate, figure everything out. So, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
<laughs> well, so, well, yeah. well, I don't, I'm not sure what happened to Coral. We lost Coral. Oh, uh, she probably Coral. got bored because she's heard all this shit before. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because now we're going to get into how the lounge at the end of the universe came well, about. Well, yes, because Coral is, is uh, yes. owner with you. Yes. The lounge at the end of the I know, and now, and now she's gone, and I actually want her to like weigh in on this. So we'll see where she's at. She she probably texted me that was like, I can't sit through listening to this shit again. <laughs> there she is. All right. Okay. I'm going to be like, come back. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Uh, but when she comes back in, just go. And then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's funny. I just like. So, so the lounge was another accident. Like, like so many oh. things that just happen because weird I, things happen. So, See, once I'm, I, a strong, so I'm, I'm a strong believer of the universe that the universe, right? will, yeah. I know, will make things happen. If mm-hmm. you don't see it, it will just do it anyway. One hundred percent. So, once I had Puck, I I was like, well, I'm not going to tour anymore. So that kind of flipped mm-hmm. the comedy wings. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. I managed a, a regional trivia company for a while and like trained people to live host trivia. And then I did some myself. Uh, and then once I stopped doing that, I became a radio host, a morning show host, um, which again was an accident. I, I went on like just to screw around with a guy and they were like, hey, we want you to be a host. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm a radio DJ now. Okay. <laughs> so, so and then uh, and then they they let me go from that. And then I had about six months where I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I don't I don't want to get a real job like I've never had a real right. job ever mm-hmm. Except for, you yep. know, moonlighting as a bartender here and there. Um, and so uh, so then this lady had opened this place called the Gem Center for the Arts. And uh, and they had hired me to um, basically emcee the gala, the opening gala of the place. So I went and did that. And, and I said, hey, I, I want to talk to you about how you did this. Because I had been thinking about doing something similar about 15 miles away where I was living at the time. And we got together and during the conversation, she kind of told me how she made the thing happen, but also that she was putting together this immersive art, like meow wolf type thing. Mm-hmm. And she had found out I was a magician and also that I was into puzzles and escape room stuff. And so she wanted to add all of these optical illusions and elements to it. And so she sort of like sucked me in uh-huh. to the project and I got to the first meeting and when they were talking about how it was going to work, well, we're going to let 15 people in, you know, roughly 15 to 20 minutes apart so that they're staggered and whatever. And I was like, well, where's everyone going to wait? Like when they're go- waiting right. to go in or like, yep. you know, what what happens when they leave? I said, you need to open like a beer and wine lounge so that people have, you can make money while you're waiting to make mm-hmm. money. Yeah. And then at the end of it, so people have a place to gather and go like, oh my God, that was so, you know, just to talk about it. So she was like, well, I don't know anything about that. And I said, well, I've been working in bars since I was 13. So I'll help you. I got this, right? And plus comedy clubs, just a bar with a stage in it anyway. So, right. so I said, okay. Uh, so, so she said, well, great. Here's my Lowe's card. You could spend up to five grand building the thing in. Uh-huh. And about two weeks mm-hmm. into the project, she goes, I don't want to own this because I have no idea what I'm doing. I think this needs to be yours. Uh, I'm willing to lose the five grand that you can invest in building it in. And I'm going to give you three months rent free to get up on your feet. So this amazing person just took a chance on me. And I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Every skill set I've ever built. Right. Like, I mean, our business, I've been a bartender. I've been a bar manager. I've been an entertainer. I've booked entertainment. I've produced shows. I'm like, this is what I do. It's all of that. So, um, so, so the lounge got its name because originally it was adjacent to this meow wolf experience where uh, it was very like um, the whole premise of the place was that uh, uh, this seventies lab that was uh, creating portals to other dimensions uh, suffered the major earthquake that happened. in I think it was like 1976 in Boise. So they, they, they timelined it with something historical and, and, um, and it made the lab have a meltdown and they basically froze 
the lab and everybody just left and we had just rediscovered it. So each of these rooms were these portals into other dimensions. They, could, they were called pocket dimensions, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 it was even complete with this crazy video that where where it was like a, a sales guy like going, you could buy your own, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so so I wanted it to be something kind of sci-fi and techie and all that. So so it, that's what, how the lounge got its name. It was only 850 square feet. We were next to a gallery that I kept throwing shows that were bigger and bigger and it kept encroaching more and more into yeah. the gallery. Wow. So eventually after being open for only six months, we made money right out of the gate. Um, and, and so, so I met Coral. Coral used to be on one of my trivia teams. Okay. She was part of the wild want the wild wandering winos was the name of the team. That she was <laughs> in. And, um, and so we just would chit chat, you know, during the halftime break and whatever. And I really liked her and, you know, I told her what I was doing because there was I, I held on to one trivia night because I really like the bar and I like getting out once a week. And so I told her, hey, I'm doing this thing. And uh, and so she started stopping by and she'd stop by and she'd, she'd be like, oh, you need me help. You want to help painting that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, do you need help? To, so she would just she helped me build it. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, you'd make a really good bartender. Have you ever bartended before? And she said no. And I was like, well, great. I'll, I'll get you tip certified. Like so she was my first bartender. Uh, and then, um, I was showing her how to like throw events and how to do, and she just like was there for all of it. So after about, I don't know, like nine months of being open, I was like, you know, this place wouldn't be here without you. So I just like gave her 10% of the business because she built it with me and it wouldn't have happened without her. So, so she became part owner. Um, Mm -hmm. and then a month later, lockdown happened. (laughs) Oh, oh, so, so six months in, we we co-opted in the gallery, which made made us go from eight hundred and fifty square feet to three thousand square feet, and it more than tripled the rent. Then oh. we had four glorious money making months, and then lockdown. Oh my god, that was crazy. But yeah, uh, did you, were you able to? Would you able to do stuff um, virtually? At- oh yeah. So so um, I mean we. For me, like having the lounge, the lounge made staying put make sense because I've always traveled as an entertainer, but I didn't want to be away from my kid. Um, and uh, and so I was like, we this has to make it like this is the first time I've ever like since I've been in Boise where I'm like, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So so we painted uh, uh, the, the the lounge is like 42 or three feet wide. And that, so we did about a 12 foot deep. We painted the entire floor green screen green. And then the whole back wall, we turned the entire uh, stage area into a, a immersive green screen studio uh, and bought live stream equipment. And we just went online. Um, and uh, and all of the artists that we had had there, we invited back and said, okay, so you guys are out of work too. So so let's partner and collaborate. And here's what we're going to do. You'll come in, we'll advertise on uh, online. And we had like restreams. So we were like on Facebook and Twitch and YouTube mm-hmm. and wherever the hell we could be all at once. Um, and uh, And when you come in, we're going to sell virtual tickets to your show that are donation based. Um, and then whatever money people spend on your tickets that all goes to you and then we'll just beg for donations for the lounge in between to keep it going uh and then and then we had but i mean what was so great is you know we've always tried to be very art i mean i'm a performing artist and i i don't know about you guys but i got screwed a lot uh by venues by yeah yeah you know and so so for me it was really important to be uh very artist forward and and um to treat people the way that I always wished I could have been treated. The goal with the lounge is to be the place everybody wished they could have worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least that yeah. I wish it could have worked. Yeah. So um so so all of these artists showed up and we were doing monthly streamathons like the old school telethons and so we'd do yeah. like 12 hours of nonstop entertainment and just you know call to action help us pay rent and we we paid our rent for a few months like that. Wow. Just uh, uh, and people and for those, the artists would show up and just donate their time and just be on the air for you know forty five minute chunk. We did cooking shows on that. Uh, I mean, it was it was we we had a couple of like craft shows and you know like here's some things you could do at home. Like, just, yeah. just like <laughs> everybody was going stir crazy. So so we we managed to make it through it and uh, and and come out the other side. And then it was like we're open. Just kidding. Oh, here we go. No. And then there were we were. I, yep. I just we met. I God, I want to say it was last year. 
and we were going to do something. Uh, I forget what it was. And then the dates weren't working out. And then we revisited this year and it was, it was literally probably one of the best things we both did coming out to boys. Awesome. I know. I I was so happy to have the show. Uh, Everybody that came loved it so much. Um, You guys made me cry. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) I will never listen to the song creep again, ever without thinking of you. Uh, thank you. Like when Johnny Cash covers a song, you're like, "That's his song now. That song's your song." See, (laughs) yeah, we had a blast, Jen, and every single person at the lounge treated us like royalty. Yeah, Yeah. good. They are. that, That is what that's what it should be. Because, and here's the thing that that the pandemic that I hope people really remember, because you know. Uh, uh, it's always the art, the arts, the performing arts, uh, all of it is the first thing to get cut when school budgets get cut. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first thing that to be really devalued. People always mm-hmm. expect you to give your art away for free. Like, oh, yeah. like this isn't a job. And you when you know, you know, you're stuck at home, what did everybody reach for? They reached for books and they reached for movies and they reached for theater and they reached mm-hmm. for music. And, yeah. and, and it was that humanity that got us through all of that together so Mm -hmm. you know i mean uh i artists to me are are are, you know sacred people Mm -hmm. yeah i agree well we thank you so much jen yes thank you i don't know what happened to coral she just did oh Oh, internet keeps dropping tried to send a message through the chat but Oh, oh there it is it's on the side. Sorry, yep, everyone. Yep. I don't think the internet connection is going to let me do it. Well, that's right. Cause we're going to play a game with you, Jen. Okay. And again, thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, thank you for having me. We, uh, we, you know. Yeah. We, we waited for this. We missed you since July. We can't get enough of you and, and everybody <laughs> at the lounge, but hopefully we'll be returning someday soon. Yes. Yay. That's what we're working on. You will. Right? Yeah. 2023. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. by the way, I know that you had you you had mentioned it earlier. Uh, I love my Uber Lube. You yes, put <laughs> it, it, in your hair too. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I haven't tried it in my hair, but I will because well, as <laughs> as it gets grayer, it gets very coarse. So if it's a good, but it's yeah, amazing. it'll work. It. Yeah. Perfect. So Tim, let Jen know what this game is about. Well, it's called "What Is Jen Thinking." And kind of what what we do is we I will give you two choices uh, of what you prefer or what you like, but don't say anything. And then we'll write it down. And then we try to figure and then you tell us and we'll see. Like so, to start with, we'll say hot or cold. OK, so like, don't which, answer. So don't answer yet. OK, I'm ready. Yeah. So do you prefer hot or cold? Hot. Hot. Yes. So, so we both got it right. So now we play I this game. <laughs> we play this game like vicious wrestlers. Oh, so okay. it's really competitive. Tim has won and, most of these for two years. And there is biting involved. Y- yes, there is. <laughs> biting and biting. Right. So what, what 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 happened? Who if you win, what do you get? Nothing. Tim, Tim and I get to work together again. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We're going to start the game. Okay, I'm ready. Phyllis Diller or Joan Rivers? Oh, my goodness. Hmm. That is a tough one. I'm going to have to. uh, Don't say it yet. Yeah. Uh Okay, Okay. I'm ready. I got to go Phyllis Diller on this one. Wow. I had Joan. Me too. Yeah. No, no. Well, okay. And here's where the, the, it comes in. That's tough. So, so I, I picked Phyllis because I discovered her first when I was a kid and I've always absolutely loved her. I feel like people pick Joan for me because maybe I, uh, they, I like, we're more, I re- mm-hmm. we remind each other of, you know, like there's still that sort of like, ha huh, kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Neil for either of you. Yes, I know, nil. Ugh, but we're still tied one and one. East Coast or West Coast? Oh, oh goodness. Oh. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm screwed either way I answer this question. <laughs> it's in we'll no context. I'm ready. It's in no con. Well, I mean, okay, you guys ready? Yeah. 
East Coast. <gasps> really? I had West. I know because I live here, but because like because of the yeah. anxiety. No, because of the anxiety that's when you exactly. come out here. <laughs> Me too. That's what I was thinking, Tim. All right, I'm gonna have to be Charles Nelson right go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I know. Okay. I feel like I feel like these need contacts because I mean, like, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I okay. almost picked West Coast, but then I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm homesick. I mean, so, you know what? All it takes is four days in New York City, and I'm like, "Get me the fuck back out of here, please!" Like, <laughs> so. All right, so we're still one and one. Okay, but there's a lot on the East Coast other than New York, too. That is true. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna try this one, Jen. We're gonna go outside the box a little bit. A ball gag or duct tape? Mm. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. Yeah. Definitely duct tape. Ball gag. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was thinking of my preference. You want, I was, you want I, to know why? Because duct tape accomplishes the same thing as a ball gag, but you can also fix your magic props when they break. I never thought of that. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking the lounge at the end of the universe. Unfortunately, not your bedroom, but there's. <laughs> okay. What do we got here? Okay. Ready? Yes. This is the last one. Bacon or sausage? Okay, I'm ready. Bacon all day long. Bam. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So I, I did win that one. Too. Uh, you're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I said that too. <laughs> 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 it's ho Idaho. 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 Indeed. So now we're going to play something different. Tim and I have never done this before. We are going to do a little soap opera okay. called Chock Full of Nuts, where today Chandelier will be played by Jen Adams. Do, do I get these page notes or do I just get to pick you, my you, character? You're, you're the everything's in there. Oh, there's a dialogue. Jean Claude is Tim Moss. Jean Claude. I will be playing Billy Ray. Okay. Is there anything you want to tell me about Jean Claude? No. Mm -mm. Okay. We're just going to make our own. We're going to make all our own characters here. Okay. So pretend we're on. General Hospital. Go ahead. Okay. Jen, you pick it off. Cue the music. Is there music? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting we're for the very, very low budget. <laughs> Do you know how much I love you? Do you? Frankly, I don't think you know what love is. You haven't been the same since your lobotomy. But isn't that what man want in a woman? Maybe so, maybe so. See, yes, we, we, can we, we. Can we, can we just go to Vegas and get married? Oh. In through the door walks Billy Ray. What the heck is going on here? Oh. Well, I don't have any brains, so I can't answer that. Truth be told, mm. I think I went Italian. Um, <laughs> truth be told. I am in love with Chandelier. <gasps> you are my plaything. My very, very, very young plaything. Hmm. I wonder who wrote this script. Hmm. Well, you... Now I'm talking like you. Yeah. Wait. You promised me when I graduated high school in two years, you would propose to me. Oh, I know I'm brain dead, but this doesn't sound legal. Uh, yeah, and if you're graduating in two years, I'm a fetus, please. Um, <laughs> you told me that you were graduating college in two years. So does this mean that we were intimate when you were the tender age of, oh, Lord, this is going to be good, of... Uh, Again, brain dead. <laughs> Sixteen. So I would Ooh. probably think twice before you pick this shallow tot over me. Oh. It could cost you your career, you know. Mm, I love tots. Apple tots, blueberry tots, pumpkin tots, all of the tots. <sighs> now, will Jean-Claude pick Chandelier? 
If he does, will she know? Will Billy Ray have Jean-Claude arrested? If so, will Chandelier know where to find him? <laughs> All these questions will be answered on the next episode of Chalk Full of Nuts. some bad organ music in there. Mm. Oh, this was so much fun. You were time, part I, of our very I first don't know why, like episode. I decided to just channel Blanche from the Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh Lord. <laughs> I have this bad habit of when I'm hearing somebody else's accent of picking it up. Yeah. And then I was starting with Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. We had somebody on the phone. They called up and they were British and they were like, Hey, my speak to Michael. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> I was like, stop it. Oh, you know, you know, I feel like uh, the, a redo of the same script should be done, like, just with, like, complete, you know, I don't know, because I'm freaking brain dead. You're like, yeah. <laughs> just, just. Hold in your brain. It's so fun. There's certain, there's certain accents that, like. No matter, you could have like PhDs from MIT, but if yeah. you're talking to me about it like this, I'm like, I, you sound like a moron. I like, whatever. Hey, come on. Oh my God. Jen, thank you so much Yay. for being on our oh, guest. I love tonight. you guys. We I hope there's you. usable stuff in there. Oh, yeah. oh are you kidding? Oh, this is. Just so you know, this is going to air on the audio platforms on Saturday. Next Wednesday, it will air on YouTube. Okay. Oh, so much. Uncut. Just like, just like the men I like, it'll be uncut. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Things we now know about Tim. Um, <laughs> so do me a favor. Go look up the uh, Trixie Von Haza video nice. from the Velvet Hammer. And yeah. then you definitely want to put that in the links on the YouTube videos so that people can go watch that. Absolutely. But please tell everybody where they can find you, the lounge. Yes. So uh, you can follow us on Instagram at lounge at the end of the universe because I'm a moron and I made it the entire thing. Uh, and then um, we're on Twitter at Lounge Boise. Um, that is also what we are on Facebook. Actually, Facebook is LEU Boise. Um, but you could go to our website, which is just loungeboise.com. And that has like kind of what we're about on it, all our upcoming shows. And if you go on the Facebook page, um, all of our, our live streams, they're, they're all cataloged there. So you can see. And if you like, it's kind of the first one we ever did. It's like, it goes from like embarrassing to just kind of less embarrassing slowly yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, we had yeah. no idea what we were doing, but like, you can sort of see how we were slightly, you know, slowly improving yeah. things and whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that, that whole era is just up there archived on Facebook. So you just go watch Ooh. it. If you want to kind of see what we were doing, we were all out of our friggin' minds and not that that's changed, but uh, <laughs> I adore you both. Thank but you. Also, both. Yeah. also to our wonderful dear friend Coral, who didn't yes. get to say one yes. word. <laughs> I know. And, yeah, we yeah. need to get the goddamn we internet at the friggin' lounge fixed. Yeah, right? Jeez, <laughs> what you do during the I pandemic, right? But tell her we love her too. Yeah, and <laughs> everyone at the lounge. The lounge would not be there if it was not for her. She's yeah. she's my work wife, uh, and uh, it, it, did, we got matching tattoos. Tattoos, yes. Week. We did, <laughs> and I she wore a long sleeve shirt like a dumb dumb. But um, yeah. But yeah Please send uh, our love to everybody at the lounge. Absolutely. And all of the, the love to you guys from the lounge. This is where we wave <laughs> goodbye, Jen. Oh.